of Campbell, Missouri. <laughs> My GPS cannot pronounce this state. It says, in a half mile, turn right on Misery 51. <laughs> it is a privilege to be here, blessing to be here again. And we appreciate what the Lord's doing here. Appreciate God sending you a good preacher. Amen. Amen. You had a good one, now you've not got another good one. Praise the Lord for that. And uh, uh, people I've talked to, you all love your new pastor. That's the way it should be. Amen. I retired from pastoring two years ago, and the man God sent us is uh, uh, loved by everybody in the church and doing a great job for the Lord. And found out a couple of days ago that your pastor and his wife know our pastor and his wife. So, small world, right? Yeah. Small world, right? Amen. <laughs> Amen. 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 Well, praise the Lord. You know what, preachers? We appreciate when uh, somebody introduces us to stand behind the pulpit and so forth. But if we start believing those accolades, we're going to be in trouble with God. Amen. It's Him, not us. Amen. Amen. Father, we thank you again for this wonderful place where the Word of God is preached. And Lord, this uh, meeting every year, 50th, 50th year in a row, God, what a blessing. We've seen many um, camp meetings fall by the wayside over the last couple of decades, and some of them uh, just uh, not existing anymore. But thank you, this one's still going on. Lord, we thank you for what you're doing in this place, the work, the work uh, that uh, you're accomplishing in this area, Lord. Help us this morning. Speak to us again from the Word of God, in Jesus' name, amen. Second Kings chapter 17, if you would, Second Kings chapter 17 this morning. Appreciate that last message, what a challenge that was, amen. None of us are doing what we can do, or even what we should do. We need to get more busy for God. The days are getting uh, close to His return, and... Uh, you know, like the Lord told Judas, what thou doest, do quickly. We need to get busy for the Lord while we still have a little bit of daylight to do it. Second Kings 17, I'm going to read quite a few verses here to get the context of what's going on uh, with Israel in this chapter. In verse uh, 7, he says, For so it was that the children of Israel had uh, sinned against the Lord their God, which had brought them up out of the land of Egypt from under the hand of Pharaoh king of Egypt and had feared other gods and walked in the statutes of the heathen whom the Lord cast out from before the children of Israel and of the kings of Israel which they had made. And the children of Israel did secretly those things that were not right against the Lord their God, and they built them high places in all their cities from the tower of the watchman to the fenced city, and they set them up images and groves in every high hill and under every green tree, and there they burnt incense in all the high places as did the heathen whom the Lord carried away before them and wrought wicked things to provoke the Lord to anger. For they served idols whereof the Lord had said unto them, Ye shall not do this thing. Yet the Lord testified against Israel and against Judah by all the prophets and by all the uh, seers, saying, Turn ye from your evil ways and keep my commandments and my statutes according to all the law which I commanded your fathers and which I sent to you uh, by my servants the prophets. Notwithstanding, they would not hear, but harden their necks like to the neck of their fathers that did not believe in the Lord their God. And they rejected their, his statutes and his covenant that he had made uh, with their fathers and his testimonies which he testified against them. And they followed vanity and became vain and went after the heathen that were round about them concerning whom the Lord had charged them that they should not do uh, like them. And they left all the commandments of the Lord their God and made them molten images, even two calves, and made a grove and worshipped all the host of heaven and served Baal. And they caused their sons and their daughters to pass through the fire and use divination and enchantments and sold themselves to do evil in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger. Therefore the Lord was very angry with Israel and removed them out of his sight. There was none left but the tribe of Judah only. Also Judah kept not the commandments of the Lord uh, their God, but walked in the statutes of Israel which they made. And the Lord rejected all the seed of Israel and afflicted them and delivered them into the hand of spoilers until he had cast them out of his sight. For he rent Israel from the house of David and they became 
They made Jeroboam the son of Nebat king, and Jeroboam drove Israel from following the Lord and made them sin a great sin. For the children of Israel walked in all the sins of Jeroboam, which he did. They departed not from them until the Lord removed Israel out of his sight. For as he had said uh, by all his servants, the prophets, so was Israel carried away out of their own land to Assyria unto this day. Would you say Israel was in trouble with God? What a mess they were in. I've got a message I preach about uh, the USA in Scripture and use the same passage. We're doing the same thing in this country that they were doing back then, but that's, that's another message. But anyway, uh, Israel's in a mess and God is sick and tired. God is patient, He's long-suffering, but He has a limit even on His patience. And there comes a time when God will shut the door if you continue to reject Him and follow Him and He'll just shut the door and say, that's it, I'm through with you. Say, is that the God in the Bible? That's the one in the Bible. Amen. Amen. That's what Paul feared. He said, after I preached to others that I myself should be a castaway. He was afraid of getting away from God and God just putting him on the shelf, never using him again. Now you can't lose your salvation. You understand that, don't you? But you can lose all kind of rewards. You can lose reigning with the Lord for that thousand years in the kingdom, all those kind of things. We can lose an awful lot by not staying right with the Lord. Now, the, the title of this, uh, I've given it, is Serving Two Gods. And that's what they're doing. That's what Israel is doing. We're going to see that. And uh, sad to say, but that's what a lot of Christians do. If we're not careful, we get in that kind of mold. God said, thou shalt have no other gods before me. And say, before you say, well, I don't bow down to a stone image. I don't bow down to a golden idol or something like that. Uh, Ezekiel says we can have idols in our heart. God's people can have idols in their heart. And something between you and God that's not right and more important in your life at the moment than what God is. In that case, we become an idolater at that point in time. Uh, we're serving two gods just by way of introduction when we love somebody or something more than we love the Lord. You know what he said? He said, uh, uh, our love for Him is shown by obedience. If you love me, keep my commandments. When we're not obeying Him, we're not loving Him like we should. We're serving two gods. When we deliberately disobey the Lord, we become our own gods, directing our own path at that point in time, charting our own course in life. We're serving two gods when we make decisions with no regard whatsoever to the will of God. We're serving two gods when we live one way around Christians and a different way around the world. And a lot of Christians do that. They're one way on Sunday, Monday on the job. They're totally different in their attitude and, and so forth. And uh, that's, Jesus calls that being a hypocrite. Amen. Amen. A hypocrite is serving two gods. Trying to serve God one time, one part of the day, and the devil or their flesh another. My wife was trying to witness to a guy one time, and he said, well, I guess you would say that uh, I worship myself. I'm my own God. Well, yeah, that's what I'd say about that guy, the, the way he was living his life. But a lot of Christians are that way. When you're faithful uh, uh, to church, but you leave God out of the rest of your life, you're serving two gods. Amen. You worship God on Sunday and you worship yourself on Monday. You worship the devil on Saturday. You're serving two gods when that's going on. We're serving two gods when we try to have the best of both worlds and you cannot do that. You, you, what, did, what, did, uh, what did Joshua say? Choose you this day whom you will serve. If it's God, then serve Him, Elijah said. If it's Baal, then serve Him. Make up your mind which one you're going to serve. But a lot of Christians try to do that and Jesus says they're lukewarm. They're not uh, zealous for Him at all. They're just lukewarm Christians. And we're serving two gods when we try to uh, uh, appease people and uh, not offend people and things like that. Uh, uh, Solomon said you're, you're, when you fear man, that's a snare unto you. Yes. Amen. Uh, in Proverbs 20, 29, verse 25. So, and by the way, what our, what our brother was preaching about a while ago, we're serving two gods when we won't witness for the Lord like we should. Amen. 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 The Lord said, what is it, Romans, Romans 10, 11. Uh, he said, uh, he that believeth on him shall not be ashamed. When the Holy Spirit lays on our heart to witness to somebody, and we, we back up from that, we're not going to do it. We're ashamed of Jesus at, at that point in time, and so we don't love him then. Now, this passage, I don't know if we have time to do it, but there's, there's 12 things in there, 12 marks of serving two gods. And uh, we're going to look at those as, 
as time permits. And by the way, there are only two gods. I know Paul says gods, there be many, and Lord's many, and so on and so forth, these idols, all that kind of stuff. But there's the God of heaven, and there's the God of this world. And you worship one or the other all the time. Amen. Either the God of heaven is your God, or the God of this world is the one you're following at any uh, given time. So it's real easy for us to be worshiping two gods, just like... Uh, Israel was here. There's only two religions. I guess you know that, don't you? There's God's religion, worshiping, uh, being saved by the blood, of the, the blood of the Lord Jesus and worshiping the God of heaven and so forth. And then there's the religion of the devil and it comes in many, many forms. Revelation chapter 17 is talking about uh, Babylonian mystery religions in verse 5, which is manifested in our day and time through Catholicism. Uh, and it says uh, she's the mother of harlots. So all the fake religions come out of the Babylonian mystery religions, and you can see the evidence of it in any religion you want to look at. Amen. So there's only two, really. All right, now keep your Bible open if you would. In chapter 17, we'll, we'll note some verses along the way uh, of what uh, these uh, principles are as we go along. He says in verse 7, <clears throat> Israel had sinned. And he says what they had done and had feared other gods. Could I say it's a sin to have other gods in your life? Yeah. I mean, is that, is that just standard reason? It's a sin to do that. That's why I have no other gods before me. 1 Kings 18, 21, Elijah came unto all the people and said, How long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. Make up your mind. Get on one side of the fence or the other. And the people answered him, Not a word. One or the other, but not both. You can't have two masters. You might serve one this minute, another one tomorrow, something like that. But it's one or the other all the time, but never both. That's why, that's why Jesus said, I would uh, that you either be cold or hot. Either be completely cold to the Lord, totally backslidden, or completely zealous for the Lord, and that way... Everybody will know where you stand. They'll know what your testimony is. They'll know what you believe, what you're doing. But if you're lukewarm, nobody knows anything. Amen. It's deceptive. So get on one side or the other. I'm sure you know this passage, Joshua 24, verses 14, 15. He says, Now therefore fear the Lord and serve Him in sincerity, be real about it, and in truth, uh, be right about it. That's what Jesus said. Serve him, worship him in spirit and in truth. So uh, Joshua says, serve him in, in sincerity and in truth and put away the gods. Who's he talking to? He's talking to God's people. Yeah. Same people I'm talking to. He says, put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt and serve ye the Lord. And if any seem evil, if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve whether the gods which your father served uh, that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You understand serving God is a conscious decision? I'm going to serve God. That's the, way, that's the way it ought to be in our hearts and our minds. I'm not going to serve the devil. I'm not going to serve my flesh. I'm not going to serve the world. I'm going to serve my Lord. A conscious decision we make for the Lord. Now notice verse 8. It says in verse 8, and I'm just picking phrases out of these verses for the sake of time. He said they walked in the statutes of the heathen. Uh, they followed the teachings and the philosophies and the beliefs uh, of, of the world and so forth. A lot of Christians do that kind of thing when they're following some form of, uh, for example, form of evolution, like theistic evolution or something like that. Uh, some of that science falsely so-called and so forth, or they're following, could I, could I say, uh, this is a misnomer, they're following Christian psychology. There ain't no such thing. You need to forget about that. If you're concerned with psychology, read God's psychology book, which is called Proverbs. Amen. You won't need anybody else if you go by that. But that's what a lot of Christians do. They, they follow everything out there in the world. Um, and so they're walking after the statutes of the heathen. Uh, we, were, we follow the world's philosophy when we say things like, well, a, a little bit's okay. Or as long as it's in, in moderation. You know, like uh, social drinking. 
as long as it's in moderate. I had a Christian tell me that one time. I don't see anything wrong with having a beer with the guys on Friday. Well, I see something wrong with it. The Bible condemns it. Amen. So, uh, you know, things like that, a little bit's okay and so forth. Or I'm not hurting anybody. Well, you can't sin without hurting somebody. No man liveth to himself. Uh, Achan, Achan thought he was getting away with something. Nobody knew about it. But God shut down the whole nation because of it. Uh, could I say, uh, as you as a church member, you might be having some secret sin going on in your life and God's not blessing your church because of that. Amen. Amen. I'm not hurting anybody. Yes, you are. Uh, well, it's my business. No, no, it's everybody's business. I remember back when one of our dear presidents three or four uh, terms back uh, got into adultery and somebody said, well, it's his business. I know it ain't his business. He's the president. It's everybody's business. It's the whole church's business when we, when we do things that's going to cause the Holy Spirit to back off from blessing that church. Amen. Amen. Uh, how about this one? It's my life. That philosophy murders over 4,000 babies a day in this country. It's my life. I'll do what I want to do with it. Amen. They walked in the statutes of the heathen. Paul said, beware of uh, philosophies and so forth. Colossians 2.8. Look at uh, verse 9. He, said, he says in verse 9, they did secretly those things that were not right against, notice that word, against the Lord their God. Secret sins. Uh, Numbers 32, verse 23, somebody said one time, that, that verse will get you coming and going. It will, 32, 23. Be sure your sins will find you out. God has a way of taking the lid off and exposing things if people won't get right with Him. I'd rather get something right to in the privacy of me and the Lord than Him to expose it to the whole church, wouldn't you? Amen. Amen. Your secret sins will find you out. Ezekiel 8, 12. Then said he unto, unto me, Son of man, hast thou seen what the house of Israel do in the dark? You notice what these people are up to? For they say the Lord seeth us not. Could I say according to Psalm 139, it doesn't matter if it's brought up daylight or pitch black midnight, it's both the same to the Lord. He can see what's going on no matter what, uh, what kind of light we have or don't have. They say the Lord sees it. Oh, He sees it all right. Psalm 90 verse 8, Thou hast set our iniquities before Thee, our secret sins in the light of Thy countenance. God sees every bit of it, knows everything we're doing. Psalm 19 verse 12, Cleanse thou me from secret faults. Boy, do we need to pray that every once in a while. Amen. Romans 2 verse 16 says God will judge the secrets and He's going to. He said in that day, nothing will be hid. It's all going to be brought out in the open. Amen. Guess what? Guess what, Christian? If you practice 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You practice that, it won't show up at the judgment seat of Christ. Already done away with it. You understand that? But what we don't get right with God is going to show up before the whole church, the whole congregation of God. Down in verse 9 of our text, the children of Israel did secretly those things that were... That were were not right against the Lord their God. They built them high places in all their cities. That's where they could, could put their idols. From the tower of the watchman out in the little village to the fenced city. And they set them up images and groves in every high hill and under every green tree. And there they burnt incense uh, in all the high places as did the heathen whom the Lord carried away before them and wrought wicked things. Notice this, to provoke the Lord to anger. They built them high places in all their cities. Uh, under one of the kings, there was an idol about on every corner in, in Jerusalem and even set up in the, in the temple. And so they, they built them high places. In verse 10, they set them up images and groves in every high, high hill, under every green tree, verse 11. And there they burnt incense uh, in, all, in all the high places. Incense pictures prayer, okay? Isn't that right? These people are putting up idols and praying to them. Incense in all the high places. Praying to false gods. Say, well, I would never do that. Well, if you yield your allegiance to one, you might as well be doing that. Amen. Jeremiah 17, 5, Thus saith the Lord, Cursed be the man whose heart departeth from the Lord. Look with me, if you would, in Ezekiel. Put your marker there in 2 Kings. We'll come back there. Ezekiel chapter 33. <coughs> Y'all don't mind a little Bible reading, do you? Amen. Not at all. 
preacher mentioned earlier, you might not have time for your devotions this morning. Well, we'll have them right now then, okay? Amen. And by the way, I, I, I got the idea when he was doing that devotion. He, he must have ridden with my wife. She keeps me in a dither when she's driving. <laughs> Sorry, babe. <laughs> Is that what I said? <laughs> I better get back to it, right? Get in trouble. Ezekiel 33, uh, look at, uh, let's see, verse 31. 33:31. And they come unto thee. Who is thee? It's the preacher. Okay? He's talking to Ezekiel, Ezekiel the preacher. They come unto thee, the people come unto thee, the preacher, as the people cometh, and they sit before thee as my people. And they hear thy words, but they will not do them. For with their mouth they show much love, but their heart goeth after their covetousness. And by the way, Paul says, uh, Colossians 3, 5, covetousness is idolatry. And Ephesians 5, 5, the covetous man is an idolater. So you don't have to bow down to an idol. You can just be covetous in your heart, and that's idolatry. So he says, uh, Their heart goeth after their covetousness, and lo, thou art unto them, preacher man, thou art unto them, as a very lovely song. Oh, we just love our preacher. Uh, he preaches so wonderfully. Uh, unto them a very lovely song uh, of one that hath a pleasant voice and can play well on an instrument, for they hear thy words, but they do them not. Mm. Look at Isaiah 29. Isaiah chapter 29. Isaiah 29. Now notice this passage here. We'll pick it up verse 11. And the vision of all, he's talking about the preaching and the word of God and so forth, the vision of all uh, is become unto you as the words of a book that is sealed of which men deliver to one that is learned. Okay, we're talking about the scholars here and the theologians. Uh, the books delivered to one that is learned, saying, Read this, I pray thee. And he saith, I cannot, for it is sealed. In other words, the preacher stands in the pulpit, preaches to the people the word of God, shows them the dangers in, in their life and their lack of separation and things like that and falling in their flesh and all that stuff. And the response is simply this, I don't see that in the Bible. That's just the preacher's opinion. You know what? I was witnessing to a guy one time and all I did was read a verse. Some of you probably experienced this. All I did was read a verse. No comment. You know what he said? Well, that's just your opinion. Yeah. What? Yeah. I just read a verse. That's just, no. You know what the problem was? He knew what the verse was saying didn't like it. Amen. Verse 12. Here's, here's the layman. We saw the scholars. Now the layman. And the book is delivered to him that is not learned saying, read this, I pray thee. And he saith, I'm not learned. So the preacher warns us about our sins and all that and all we, all we got to say about that, I don't understand why the preacher gets so upset about all this. I don't understand what's so bad about uh, what I want to do. I was trying to talk to a young man one time. He was going to leave his wife for another woman and, uh, which is called adultery, by the way. You know what his response was? Well, what am I doing that's so bad? His very words. What am I doing that's so bad? Well, hey, Dean Bat, you're committing adultery against God. It's going to get you in trouble. That's what? Amen. Amen. Verse 13, Wherefore the Lord said, For as much as this people draw near me with their mouth and with their lips to honor me, but have removed their heart far from me, and, the, and their fear toward me is taught by the precept of men. In other words, they'll say, well, God's not really concerned about all that. The preacher's just being nitpicky uh, in the things he's straining at gnats. That's what the preacher's doing. Verse 14, Therefore, behold, I will proceed to do a marvelous work among this people, even a marvelous work and a wonder, uh, for the wisdom of their wise men shall perish, and the understanding of their prudent men shall be hid. So for blatant rejection of the truth, God will take away a person's wisdom, We'll take away their, that's what's happening in Washington, D.C. right now. They rejected God. They've turned their back on this book. And God, there's no wisdom in Washington, D.C. And that's why some of the stupid things are being done there. You, you reject this book, God will rack your brain. He'll take away any wisdom you think you've got. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. Amen. Romans 1.28 talks about... Uh, God turning people over to a reprobate mind. They won't get right with Him. 2 
Timothy 2, verses 25 and 26, uh, he says, uh, in meekness instructing those that oppose themselves, if peradventure, peradventure, that means perhaps, maybe this could happen, maybe it will happen, maybe it won't, if peradventure God will give them uh, acknowledging uh, to uh, repentance to the acknowledging of the truth, what does that mean? It means He'll let you realize what your condition is. Yeah. Uh, Esau sought repentance with tears, but he couldn't find it. If God will give them repentance to the knowledge of the truth and that they may recover themselves from the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. You get away from this book, Christian. You get away from serving God. You're, you're prime target for the devil. He, he walketh about seeking whom he may devour. And in our day and time, he can find plenty. Sad to say, man, that's the condition of the church today. Verse 15 in Isaiah. Woe unto them that seek uh, deep to hide their counsel from the Lord and their works are in the dark and they say, Who seeth us and who knoweth us? Could I say that Jesus does? He sees you, man. The eyes of the Lord in every place behold the good and the evil, the Bible says. Matthew 15, verses 7 and 8, Jesus said, You hypocrites, well did Isaiah, and he's quoting what we just read in verse 13 in Isaiah, well did Isaiah prophesy of you, saying, This people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth, and honoreth me with their lips, for the heart is far from me. The heart. What's in your heart? I'll tell you what's in your heart. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, is it? Out of the heart of the issues of life. Out of your heart come the issues of your life. Whatever it is. Uh, Proverbs 23, verse 7, uh, as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Amen. So <clears throat> if you're constantly thinking wicked things, you're a wicked person. Man. I don't care if you're saved, you're a wicked person. If you're constantly thinking holy things and righteous things and stand right with God, then you're a holy person. Man. Amen. Difference is Brother Wood was preaching being filled with the Spirit and not. Amen. 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 Idols in the heart. Yes. Uh, James 4, verse 4, James is talking to God's people. He says, ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that friendship with the world is enmity against God. He that will be the friend of the world is the enemy of God. I submit they're enemies in the camp of God. Amen. Don't let it be you. Uh, John said, 1 John 2.15, love not the world, neither the things. Well, that's what gets us a lot of times. The things out there. Neither the things that are in the world. If, the, if, uh, if, if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. It doesn't mean God stopped loving you. It means you stopped loving God. Love of the Father is not in you. Let's go back to our text, 2 Kings 17. Let me hurry along here. Verse 11. He says in verse 11 that uh, they wrought wicked things. Why? To provoke the Lord to anger. Boy, that's something. They did things that God said don't do, just to see if they could get away with it. Just to see if God was going to do anything about it. And let let me say, every time we sin, that's what we're doing. We're going to do something we know the Word of God said don't do, and we're going to do it anyway, thinking we're going to be the exception to the rule, we're going to get away with it. Oh, 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 no, you're not. You know the smoker smoking three packs a day, he'll never get cancer, even though his neighbor down the street died of it. Amen. That's the way we think. It's not going to happen to me, but it can Provoking the Lord to anger. You know what Jesus said about that? Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Amen. Better be careful about that. Amen. Uh, my assistant pastor and I were trying to deal with a man one, one time. He, he was going to leave his wife for, for another woman. And we spent about 30 minutes going through Scripture, this and that. And here's what that guy said. He said, I know. I'll never forget it. This is a direct quote. Uh, I know what the Bible says but I'm going to do it anyway. Amen. That's a bad place to be. And he did it anyway. He left his wife, married the other woman, and it didn't even last a year. Destroyed two families, all that stuff, you know, didn't even last, last a year. So you might know what the Word of God says, but you better do it. Amen. Amen. Mm, going to do it anyway. That's a challenge to God. You understand that? I know what God said, but I'm going to You're challenging God. And by the way, he's bigger than you are. <laughs> Amen. Verse 12. Verse 12. For they served idols. Anytime we willingly disobey God, we're serving idols. 
because we put something between us and God that's more important at the moment to us than God is. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 10, verses 19 20, he tells you that behind every idol is a devil. And that's what we're doing. We're serving devils when we're not serving the Lord. 1 Thessalonians 1, verses 9 and 10, Paul said, They themselves show uh, of us what manner of entering in we had unto you, and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for His Son from heaven. You turned to God from idols to serve the living God. Amen. Um, Paul puts it this way in Galatians chapter 4. He said, uh, Now that you know God, or rather are known of God, how turn you again to the weak and beggarly elements? Uh, Desiring to be in bondage again. Why would you turn back to being a drug addict or a dope head or alcoholic or whatever, immoral person after you got, why would you turn back to that stuff? You're in bondage. Talking to a guy at the prison yesterday and he was telling me what a dope head he had been before he got saved. Well, the reason a lot of those guys, what is the recidivism rate? About 85% nationwide a guy gets released from prison and he's coming back, about 85% of them. You know why? They get back with their old cronies and go back to their old habits. They get back into what they were doing. Amen. Verse, uh, let's see, verse, thir- verse 15. Look at verse 15. It says in verse 15, they rejected His statutes. Talk about God's statutes. They rejected His statutes and His covenant. It says they rejected His testimonies. Uh, when we do everything we want uh, instead of what God wants, it's a direct rejection of the Word of God to us. It doesn't matter how insignificant it might seem to us. And we tend to categorize sins. You know, Catholicism does that. And, uh, menial and mortal sins, all that baloney. But James says, James chapter 2, verse 9 and 10, somewhere in there, he says if you violate one of God's commands, you're guilty of the whole thing. Amen. Amen. God's law is not a bunch of elements. It's a, it's a divine whole, okay? Thou shalt not. It's all one unit in the mind of God, and you violate one of them, as far as he's concerned, you've broken his whole law. So you told a little lie. You broke God's law. Amen. That's what he says. They rejected his statutes, his covenant, and his testimony. So it might seem uh, not, not like much to us, but it's a whole lot to God Amen. when we turn against uh, what he has said to us in his words. In his word. You know what uh, the devil was trying to do with Eve? Uh, Genesis 3, verse 5. He said, um, he said, go ahead and eat out of that tree. You'll become as gods, knowing good and evil. You understand what that means? It, it doesn't mean uh, uh, what you might read on the surface. But what it means is you'll become your own God and you will decide for yourself what is good and what is evil. God's already told us what sin is. He defines it in His Word. But how often do we do? We make uh, something in our own mind. Well, that's sin, that's not, and that kind of stuff. We become our own God knowing good and evil for ourselves. you see. And so... Uh, that's, the, that's the devil trying to make us walk away from God, decide for ourselves, well, you know, I don't see anything wrong with that. Well, if God said something's wrong with it, then something's wrong with it. Amen. You know what, young people? If your mom and dad said don't do that, you ought not to do it. Right. Whether there's anything wrong with it or not. Amen. Because you're disobeying God when you disobey your parents. Amen. I know not all Amen. parents are godly. I understand all that. But you're still disobeying God when you disobey your parents. What verse was on? 15? Yes, sir. Anybody know? Yes, sir. <laughs> Back in the days of the hippies, I lived through those days. Some of you don't even know what it is. I was giving testimony this morning. I got saved in 1966. Most of you weren't even on the planet then. Back in the days of the hippies, they, they, call, they called uh, that kind of uh, thing I'm talking about situation ethics. I don't know if that phrase is even still around. Situation ethics, what that means? That means you, it's either right or wrong depending on the situation you're in, okay? No, it doesn't depend on that at all. It's right or wrong depending on what God said about it. That's cut and dried on the whole, whole business. Malachi chapter 2, God accused Israel of being partial in the law. You know what that means? They'd read those laws of God, thou shalt, thou shalt not, all that stuff. they say, well, I don't mind doing that, and this one over here, I, I, don't, I don't want to do that, so they're gonna, we're going to relegate that to somebody else. That doesn't apply to me, it applies to them. How often do we do stuff like that? Partial in the law of God. 
I'll do what makes me uh, happy and what makes me feel good and what I desire to do. The rest of it almost said belongs to somebody else, not to me. Verse 15 again said they followed vanity uh, and became vain. They became what they were following. You realize you become like Jesus if you follow Him? Amen. People see Christ in you, the hope of glory. They followed vanity and became vain. They did things that had no spiritual value to it, didn't enhance their faith at all, uh, and uh, did a lot of things that were detrimental to their spiritual growth. Paul said that two times. He said these things, they might be okay. It's not sin per se, but they're not expedient. It won't help you in your faith. It won't build you up. It won't keep you going. That's the way a lot of things out there are in that world. They're not sin in themselves, but they won't help you in your faith. They're not expedient. That doesn't mean you can't do things and enjoy life. Amen? I believe Christians are the only people with the right to enjoy life because we're the only people that have it. Amen. More abundantly. But you've got to be careful. Don't uh, tear down your faith. Romans 14, 19, Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace and things wherewith one may edify another. 1 Timothy 6, 11, he says, he says uh, Follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. Look over at Romans chapter 1. Leave your marker there. We'll come back. So how long is this going to go on? Till lunchtime. Amen. Okay, Romans chapter 1. I'll be as hungry as you are, so I'll quit when I get hungry. How's that? If I quit when I'm hungry, is that okay with everybody? <laughs> Sometimes I don't get hungry all day. <laughs> Where did I say? Romans 1. Look at verse 18. 118, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Down in verse 32, he says, he says these kind of people know the judgment of God, uh, and he said they not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. You ever notice nobody wants to sin alone? They don't drag somebody else in with them. You know why they do that? So they can justify themselves. Well, they do it. Why can't? I had a man tell me one time, he said he smoked because his pastor smoked. He said, I figured it's all right with my preacher smokes, all right with me. It wasn't all right with either one of them. Amen. Verse 19, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has showed it unto them. Romans chapter 2 says the law of God is written on the heart of the lost man. That hot and tot out in the jungle knows he ought not to be murdering somebody. Amen. It's in the heart. Verse 20, For the invisible things of Him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because that when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like the corruptible man and the birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. By the way, your four major holidays are in that verse. Do you know that? Amen. That corruptible man is called Santa Claus. There goes Christmas. <laughs> the birds, well, there's Thanksgiving dinner. <laughs> four-footed beasts. How about the bunny rabbits? Yeah. Easter. Uh, the feast of Ishtar. And then the creeping things. You ought to figure that one out. Halloween. <laughs> hey, that's just a joke. I don't, I'm not saying, I don't know these verses plot, plot all that. I mean, we have Christmas dinner. Amen. You do what you want to, okay? <laughs> but they all are pagan holidays originally. <laughs> Verse 24. Wherefore God also gave them up. You don't want that to happen. To uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies. You know what the bodies are? It's the temple of God. To to dishonor their bodies between themselves. Uh, Psalm 106, verse 15, talking about Israel in the wilderness, says God uh, gave them their request, but sent leanness into their soul. Better be careful what you pray for. He might just give it to you. And it costs you spiritually. Amen. Verse 25, who changed the truth of God into a lie. Well, I just don't believe the Bible means that. Well, it means just what it says. Changed it into a lie and worshiped and served the creature. Guess who that is? You're the creature yeah. more than the creator who is blessed forever. 
Amen. So we're the creature, and we're not careful to change the Word of God to suit ourselves. Amen. Amen. And the Bible said, you ever heard a, you ever heard a drunk quote uh, uh, in 1 Timothy 5? Take a little wine for that stomach's sake, or is that yeah. chapter 3, wherever that's at? Yeah. <laughs> they can find a verse that suits them, can't they? So can we. Yeah. Amen. We can pull stuff out of context. Have to be careful. Mess with the Word of God. Amen. Notice uh, verse, uh, verse 26 there. He said, For this cause God gave them up unto vile affections. All right, back in our text, verse 15, we're almost done. You ever hear preachers say that? <laughs> it don't mean a thing. <laughs> verse 15 says, They went after the heathen. That's the lost people that were round about them. No separation. These are God's people here, okay, in this chapter. No separation from the world. 2 Corinthians 6, 17, Wherefore, come out from among them, among the lost, and be separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. we got no business being in fellowship with the world. None at all. You have an obligation to witness to them. You have an obligation to be friendly to them. Help when you can. Love them and whatever you need to do to win them to Jesus. But you're not to be in fellowship with them. We're not to go where they go. We're not to do the things that they do. Amen. Psalm 1 verse 1, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. Proverbs 9, 6, Forsake the foolish and live, and go in the way of understanding. In, in Acts 2 verse 40, Simon Peter's preaching, and it says, uh, He testified and exhorted, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. Crooked generation. We live in that generation. Save yourself from it. Amen. How many times have it been uh, pleaded with last night and this morning? If you're not saved, come to Jesus. Get saved. Save yourself from this untoward generation. Amen. Amen. Back in uh, Genesis 34, Jacob, who was uh, kind of uh, about as wayward as a child of God could be, but he finally got things right with, with the Lord and God changed his name to Israel. Thou shalt be from henceforth, thou shalt be a prince unto God and unto men. And, uh, but he had, a, he had a daughter growing up in his household named Dinah. In chapter 34 of Genesis, it says in the first verse, Dinah went out to see the daughters of the land. In the second verse, she's shacking up. You understand? Stay away from the people out there. Don't get involved with them. Don't fail. Let me say this to parents, whatever it's worth. Don't be foolish and let your kids, before they're mature enough, go out and get a job in that world. They'll find somebody on, on the job that's lost, uh, headed for hell, and don't care, and they'll lead your child astray and lead them off into sin. Better be careful about that. Amen. Verse 17, again, or verse 17 says, They caused their sons and their daughters. By the way, speaking of that, I've got a friend who is, um, he's, he, he has a home for uh, uh, girls and women that have been victims of human trafficking. Okay? Don't know what that is? Horrible thing. Horrible thing. As, and, and he tells stories about, about the, the people as young as 12 years old get kidnapped and put into that kind of life and so on and forth, made prostitutes and all that kind of stuff. And uh, that goes on all the time in our country, especially in uh, the big cities. So you better be careful who your kids hang around with. Amen. Uh, okay, verse 17, they caused their sons their daughters to pass through the fire. They dedicated their children to Moloch. Moloch, uh, uh, Melech, king, uh, emperor worship, that, that went on by, uh, Pharaoh was descended from the gods. The emperor of Japan up through World War II was descended from the gods and all that, and people worshiped them and reverenced their kings and their leaders and so forth like that. And in, in this case, their children through the, through the fire, they burn their children as a sacrifice to Moloch. Say, so, well, we don't do that. Oh, don't be so sure about that. You put your kids in public school, you've given them to Moloch. You get them involved in sports that, that uh, is uh, full of lost people, you're giving them to Moloch. Amen. Moloch is the government. Don't give your kids to the government. Give them to Jesus. You'll be guilty of Moloch worship. Amen. 
let them get involved in worldly things and carnality and all that kind of stuff. And uh, No biblical separation. Verse 17 again. They sold themselves uh, to do evil in the sight of the Lord. They just yielded themselves to the whims of their flesh. Whatever I want to do, I'm just going to go do it. No, no idea of the consequence or anything like that. and No regard to their testimony. You remember what Nathan the prophet, he confronted David after David's sin, and he said, by this deed you've caused, uh, what's the word he used? You've caused uh, the testimony of God to be blasphemed among the heathen. That's, that's not a direct quote. but In other words, your sin has caused lost people to blaspheme God. You ever had somebody say, well, that, if they go to that church, I'm not going. Or if that's a Christian, I don't want to be one. Same kind of stuff. Amen. First Thessalonians 5, 22 says, abstain from evil. Does it say that? No, it does not. It's understood we should abstain from evil. It said, abstain from all appearance of evil. If it looks bad, don't do it. It doesn't have to be bad, but if it looks like it, or if it's, somebody else thinks it's bad, don't do it. Paul said, if meat made my brother to offend, I'll eat no meat as long as the world standeth. Testimony. That's what he's talking about there. Amen. Hmm. 1 Kings 21.20, uh, 20, Ahab said to, to Elijah, Hast thou found me, O mine enemy? And he answered, I have found thee, because thou hast sold thyself to work evil in the sight of the Lord. Paul said, Let not your good be evil spoken of. Even what we do is right. We need to do it above board. There's no, no reproach at all, because uh, God sees it, and people that see it and, and think we're doing wrong, it's going to ruin a lot of people are going to be in hell because of some Christian. You think about that. Amen. Verse 19. This is number 12 if you took notes, which you probably didn't because I didn't outline it that way. But verse 19. Judah kept not the commandments of the Lord their God, but walked in the statutes of Israel which they made. Not the statutes of God which he, which he made, but the statutes of Israel which they... In other words, they made up their own rules of right and wrong, like I said about Genesis 3, 5 a while ago, you'd be, you'd be gods unto yourselves and so forth. Uh, they let the devil fulfill in them what he was doing with uh, Eve and trying to get her away from God. And he's, he's drawing you away from your final authority. You know what your final authority is, kids? If it's not that book you've got in your lap, you don't have one. The Word of God must be our final authority. Amen. 2 Kings 17, verse 8, they walked in the statutes of the kings of Israel which they had made. Mm, we've got to be careful about making up our own rules. Now, I want you to go to 2 Chronicles 36. We're going to close out, but I'm going to give you the, the, pro, the whole problem here. Here's what's this whole problem that put Israel in that condition. Verse 14 of our text said that they would not hear and that they hardened their necks. Proverbs 29.1, He that being often reproved hardeneth his neck shall suddenly be destroyed and that without remedy. Once God says that's it, there's no way to correct it, there's no way to get it right, there's no way to stop it, but judgment is coming. Amen. Now here's what God said. Zedekiah is the king here in 2 Chronicles 36, a wicked king. <coughs> and here's what uh, he says about it. Verse, we know it's talking about Zedekiah. Verse 11 says so, Zedekiah. And verse 12 he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord his God and humbled not himself before Jeremiah the preacher, the prophet speaking from the mouth of the Lord. In other words, he wouldn't listen to what the preacher was saying. He wasn't going to do nothing that was coming from the mouth of the Lord out of the word of God. He was going to ignore it all. And verse 13 says he rebelled. It says he stiffened his neck and hardened his heart from turning unto the Lord, a God of Israel. Same thing we read back in uh, 2 Kings 17 that uh, Israel's doing at that time. Verse 14, he says, All the people transgressed, the people transgressed very much after all the abomination of the heathen, no separation, and polluted the house of the Lord which he had hallowed in Jerusalem. Did you get that? Yeah. Their sin polluted the house of God. <coughs> Verse 15, And the Lord God of their fathers sent to them by his messengers, that's his preachers, rising up betimes and sinning because, here's the grace of God, he had compassion on his people and on his dwelling place. Second Peter 3, 9 got, got quoted earlier today. Uh, God is long-suffering 
to us were not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Did you catch that word? Long-suffering to us word. Did you get that? He didn't say to the heathen. He said to us word. That's a good verse to witness with and all that. But uh, Peter said to us word. He's long-suffering. In other words, if you're not right with God, Christian, he wants you to get right. Give you time. What does it say in Revelation 3? He gave her space to repent for a thousand years and she still didn't. Amen. Uh, verse, uh, uh, he had compassion on his people, verse 16, but they mocked the messengers of God. They ridiculed the preachers. They scoffed at them. Preacher's just old-fashioned. You know, he doesn't know what he's talking about. Things are different today. And they despised his words. They were arrogant, indignant toward uh, the preacher's words. Uh, despised his words and misused his prophets, God's prophets. Misuse means to cheat or deceive. And that's what we do as Christians when we sneak around uh, to get away with something the preacher has said, uh, you ought not to do that. Amen. And notice, until the wrath of the Lord rose against them, rose against his people, till there was no remedy. No remedy at all. You cannot live for two gods. You've got to make up your mind one or the other, who your God is, and forsake the others. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 24, either hate the one and love the other, or hold to the one and despise the other. That's what you do when you're trying to serve two gods. No man can serve two masters. I had a man in my church, he gave a testimony one time. He said, if the preacher said, we ought not to have bumper stickers on our car, he said, I wouldn't have any bumper stickers on my car whether I thought it was right or wrong, but I wouldn't do it because the preacher said so, and how can I expect my son to follow my leadership and obey me if I'm not obeying the Word of God coming out of the pulpit? You think about that. Preachers are not infallible, I understand that, but if he gives you, thus saith the Lord, you better do it. Amen. Amen. Turn to God from idols and wait for his son from heaven. If the Lord be God, serve him. Preacher.